Welcome to The Edges of Lean. I'm Bella Engelbach, and in this podcast, we explore the human and creative side of lean thinking, unusual places where lean thinking is practiced. We meet people who are practicing continuous improvement in many different flavors and styles. So come along with me on a journey to the edges of lean. Episode 78, Continuous Improvement, Wisdom and Compassion with Wendy Nash. Wendy Nash coaches people with meditation. She joined me to share how to make meditation part of our daily practice. Her approach is beautifully aligned with the reflection that is intrinsic to lean thinking and it can help us develop our respect for people muscles. One note, we had some internet challenges as we were recording this podcast and you might notice a little interference, but let's hear what Wendy has to say. Wendy Nash, welcome to the Edges of Lean. Thank you. Thank you very much, Bella. It's lovely to be here. It's lovely to be here. Before I I go on, I just like to say there are two things that I like to really, that I I think are really important. Um, And first is, you know, I was at a um, Toastmasters event last night, actually, and I said to a new person who just arrived, I said, thank you for coming along. We can think that we are just one person and what difference do we make, but actually everybody is part of a larger thing and, and we don't know how much of an impact we have by just simply turning up. So our society is very numbers oriented. So even just downloading a show, listening to it, it forms an algorithm and it changes how how well received and well regarded. So very small things like that are beneficial, as well as the larger thing of thinking about, well, what is these people saying? And how does that all come together and reflecting and taking away some of the ideas? That's also another contribution that happens. And that's sort of at the, you know, between you and me, I'm one of many guests that you have and you're one of the hosts that I have. And there's a whole lot of technical equipment. And so you've got this history with Six Sigma and Lean, and that's a very large, a whole community in and of itself. So that that you came to that from that perspective. And I've got this meditation background and I've been thinking about all that, all that. And then we've got the technical aspects like the headsets, the microphones, the cameras, the whole history of storytelling since the beginning of time. So we are part of a very large process of everything coming together. So thank you very much to everybody who is part of this I don't know, ecosystem for lack of a better word, for being a human being and part of being the storyteller. So thank you very much to everybody who's part of this program, small and large. And the other thing I like to do is um, I'm in Australia. I'm calling from Brisbane, Australia, and uh, I'm calling from Gubby Gubby country. And the yeah, and the reason I like to do that is I'm not Aboriginal, but uh, the Aboriginal communities here, it's its a very strong tradition and it, it's really about saying, I come from somewhere, I am part of a land and I am part of a community and um, a lot, again, a larger system, I'm one player in the, in the whole mix in here. And I like to do the acknowledgement of country because Aboriginal people have been wise and working this land and understanding the land, observing for 70,000 years. Now, Christianity is about 2,000 years and Judaism, 3,000 maybe. So to take Christianity, just because I'm not very good at the numbers stuff, I don't know, it's like 35 times longer than Christianity has been around. So it goes to show how huge that knowledge base is and I really believe that it's not until you know where you've come from that you can say here I am and this is where I am and then with that together go all right so this is where I'm going to this is what I want to bring with me and by looking at the past integrating what we don't like what we do like but really pondering all that we can go okay so here I am and then with those together go that's where I'm going. So that's where I like to 
start my programs because I think it provides a nice little foundation as well. I really like that, Wendy, and I think it's it's very important for us as we we tell our stories. And it's so interesting because I was just at a meeting today, and there were women telling their stories, and they started with their business story, right? Now this is my first job, and this was my second job, and as the conversation continued, we heard more about well, this is where I came from. This is what is important to me. This is what my what my foundational beliefs are, my, you know, who who I am, where I'm from. And I think that society does say to us, when someone says, you know, welcome, hello, who are you? We say, well, I'm so-and-so, you know, here's my name and here's what I do. But that's not telling anyone who we are or where we're from. And um, where we're from is a very complicated story, right? Because we're not only are we people who live on land where other people lived in the past and some of whom are living here still today, but we're also people who came from other places with other stories. And, um, and all of that makes a richness that it's so easy to overlook in a business environment, right? So thank you. Thank you for saying that. And thank you for, for, for bringing that to us. Wendy, what, what do you do today? What is what what do you do when you get up in the morning? What what is your is your day like? Ah, uh, so my day is um my part I'm I'm a big tea drinker, so um that's what I like to do. So I have a, a kettle by my like a hot water boiler right by my bedside with a teapot and two mugs. And I make a cup of tea for my partner and I just sit in bed. I click the button and it's ready to go. So that's first thing. The, the alarm goes off and, you know, just to start the day, that's where we are. And then um, we meditate for an hour. And that's just a really nice way to start the day because we've already. And I also read positive news. So on my phone, I go through all the positive news stories of the day about, you know, positive things that people are doing about climate change, people who helped each other, um, technological advances. Uh, I don't know, just interesting positive stories about how people work well together and what good is happening in the world because it's very easy to get stuck in the negative. So that's where I start. And then after that, it's breakfast. My partner is a... Um, is a used to be a horticulturist so he we grow who's we grow our own vegetables which is really nice it's the first time we've only just started because um it, it's been possible in this house and so we have these he makes a beautiful breakfast every day and it's really lovely so <laughs> That's my, that's, that's the start a, of my day. That's, a, that's the start of the day. And, and, you know, meditation is such an interesting way to start your day. Uh, and it's something that I think is very closely related to, um, you know, what we try to practice in lean when we're, when we're doing lean thinking, we're trying to get into that frame of mind. But again, it's something that I think for most of us is either extremely mysterious, we don't, we feel like we don't have the time for it, or it's, um, you know, I guess it's, it's, the, it's the mystery of it, you know, well, how do I, how do I do it, you know, do I have to go to, you know, do I have to go to a yoga class to learn to do this, or, you know, go and sit, go and see a, med a meditation teacher, or, you know, of, of some sort. So I have to say, I don't know a lot of people who meditate as a daily practice, right? So, so what is the impact that that, that that has then on the rest of your day to, to have done that at the beginning of the day? So I, I just want to say that, where do I begin with meditation? There is this idea that you have to have a clear mind in order to meditate. And I feel really, you know, I was speaking with a, a, um, a, a founder yesterday, and she and I said, this is what meditation is. It's really, people have this idea that they can run around all day, every day, and then suddenly sit down and have a sit, clear mind for 20 minutes. Like that's just not gonna happen. That's such a, such a tough starting point for people. It's so unfair that we've set up another way for people to fail. And it doesn't have to be that difficult. It really doesn't. I 
I mean, I've been meditating for 20 years and my favorite practice is loving kindness. And again, there's a loving kindness practice, which is, you know, you wish yourself well, wish other well. You've got, there are sort of standard phrases like, may I be well, may I be happy, may I be at peace. Then you get a good friend and then a stranger, a difficult person, and then the whole people. And I did that. And none, neither of those techniques worked well for me. So I had yeah. stuff from a super low baseline. I didn't even know what love was. I'd never felt love. People talk about these loving thumbs. I'm sitting there going, what on earth are they talking about? I just, it wasn't that I wasn't loved. I just didn't feel loved. So that's a, quite a separate thing. So I had to start from a really, really low baseline. And I would encourage people to start very low and not expect too much because it's crazy. We already have too many expectations. Let's not add to that burden. Mm -hmm. Basically, okay, so uh, what time of the day is it for you here now? It is. Uh, it's quarter to eight in the evening in, okay. in the U.S. where I'm recording. Okay, so to the listeners, um, I, it's quarter to ten in the morning here in Brisbane. So that's our time gap. So... That yesterday, so find a time between yes, this time yesterday, or sort of what were you doing at this time yesterday? What was I doing? Yeah. I was in, I was, I was leading a meeting, 20, more than 20 people online. Okay. All right. And so to get that meeting to happen, a whole lot of people thought about what would be a good thing to contribute to that meeting. People wanted to come together in a community. People, uh, there were all these like positive thoughts and, and, and that sounds kind of a bit bigger than I mean, but people were really keen to come together to share knowledge, to share their experience. And there's a lot of thoughtfulness that goes into that. So at the end, so that meeting came together because people were being kind and they wanted to share positive things. So if you just kind of hold that for a second and just appreciate that, just not to be a big grateful, like I'm so grateful for, but just a simple like, ah, oh, that feels actually nice that people came together and thought about all that. And how does that feel in your body and mind that you've just taken that two seconds to think about that from that meeting? Well, first of all, it feels, it feels really good, Wendy, because... Because, uh, you know, what I was thinking about leading up to the meeting was, do I have everything ready? And, you know, is the agenda ready? And there were special guests coming. Are they going to arrive on time? And, and um, I, you know, was, and honestly, it never occurred to me that it, but it was, it was a kindness for the other people to show up, right? That they that they wanted to be there. They wanted to be part of it. They, they, they want to be part of this work that we're doing together. And so, you know, it, it took, they didn't have to do that after dinner on a Monday night. I'm sure there was something, there were many other things that they could have been doing right. Yeah. So, yeah, so that, that gives me a feeling of, of, of um, sort of peace and happiness. It was a good meeting. It went well, but, but just, just that idea that, that that was an act of, of love, an act of kindness to show up is um, that's a great feeling right and but there's a whole lot of prep work so that's like at the beginning of this show I said actually there's a whole lot of people who are part of this who have thought about how this can come together who have you know small little acts of kindness every feedback comment you get on your show says somebody cares about this and wants you to do well even in somebody who's like oh, I really hated that they're like also <laughs> saying Actually, I I didn't like that. I expected something better from you because I know you can do something better. So all these small little acts, we think we can kind of turn it to a negative or we can turn it to a positive. And I'm not a Pollyanna person. I don't think mm. some things are rubbish. And, you know, anybody who's in Ukraine living in a war, let's not be happy and grateful for the wonderful learning opportunities here. Let's say it's a horrible experience and that is absolutely undeniable and there's a lot of pain and angst with that. So that's not to sweep stuff under the carpet and that, that's a different technique. But in order to be able to navigate the painful stuff and to allow the painful stuff in, we have to have a boy kind of, is it the word boy, buoy, I think in American, 
um, this kind of feel a little bit floated by the good in life. And so, so I, the way that I think about meditation is really start with looking for all these similar acts of kindness. And you can start this time yesterday. And then this morning you got up and uh, you had a nice hot shower, probably. And you had a nice breakfast, whatever it was. You had a beautiful, you probably had coffee. You're in America, you probably had coffee. So yeah. Um, and then you worked with people and some people said, thank you, or, oh, I found this thing and I thought you might be interested. All these very small ways that people are trying to tell you, I'm thinking of you and I want you to do well. It's this all small little act. And so if you spend your day and, and at nighttime you get into bed, you turn off your phone and you maybe set a timer for five minutes to just backtrack and go this time yesterday this is what happened I was at that meeting and then this morning I got up and I had a really nice bed I really slept well I've got these beautiful clean sheets and then I got out of bed and I had steaming hot shower it was really lovely and then I had my breakfast and I put on my my clothes are uh, nice quality clothes and my coffee was delicious and then people were kind to me all all the day now that doesn't mean to say you haven't got a whole lot of sales people being sharks going I want you to buy my thing you've got to be right. kind of have have discernment about what you're wanting to accept but when we're in a slightly more positive optimistic frame we can already kind of we're, we're not so desperate and so therefore we're not so likely to make bad decisions we sleep better we're nicer to be interact with we um we're more thoughtful we're better bosses, we're better at making decisions, all that sort of stuff. So start um, with that five minutes at the end of the day, and that's already a good place. And so then you would feel a little bit calmer, a little bit, a little bit happier, and actually more willing to look at what people are doing as, as you know, as you say, putting a positive frame on it, right? So, so even, you know. Maybe the bus driver left me at the at the the bus stop, but I can look at it and say, well, the, this bus driver is really, you know, they're they're doing the right thing. They're trying to make their schedule. So they, yeah, it's you know, not to be a Pollyanna, but just but just to have a different view of people um, in that way. Because you know, and it's interesting because in Lean we do say, and I don't think we always live into it. We do say that we we believe that people want to do a good job, right? That people want to do things right. And one of the things that's different about Lean management to other types of management is it should start with that supposition it's not that people come to work to be dreadful and lazy and horrible and do their job wrong they want to come and do things right well and i think what you're saying wendy is a little bit is, is this opportunity to practice that every day just practice thinking about well what were the things that were that that were right or could have been right that happened to me and, and made my day a little bit better just yeah. just to speak to that so a few years ago I was I was in a job and I thought if I played the lotto it's not much it's like ten dollars a month or something and it's an automatic it's one dollar thirty and it's like the cheapest <laughs> therapy I can get to be hopeful I'm gonna win the lot this week I might win the lotto it's one like the cheapest ticket I could get it's enough to feel bored. That hope right tons of hope and, and tons of for, hope this for, week, for five this days week, yeah <laughs> And, and I was in this job and I hated the job. I, the people were quite difficult. They were quite cold and I, I wasn't, it wasn't gelling. And I used to go, it's okay. Don't worry about it. This time next week, I might have won the lotto and all these people can piss off out of my life. <laughs> <laughs> so that was kind of my sanity break. But what I realized is that if everybody won the lotto, no one would turn up to work, maybe a couple of real diehard people, which means that by the time they've walked through the threshold, good chances they're actually already pissed off by the fact that they're being there. I know I wasn't a happy camper. So it's just interesting to think, actually, nobody kind of wants to be there. And there's something about organisations that in a way bring out the worst because no one really wants to be there. If, they, if everybody won the lottery, they'd do something else. So I made it my job. I have a, a beautiful, wonderful creative manager called Juliet Beato, and she's fantastic. She's a freelancer and um, she's very diligent and very competent. And I said to her, my goal in our working together is two things. One, that you feel appreciated. 
and two, that you feel that the work you are doing is positively contributing to the company. That's my goal here in the relationship. And that what then, then we can work together and whatever else comes of it, comes of it. But they were the two most important things. And I thought I have actually seldom had people appreciate my contributions. There's been a cursory, oh, thanks for doing that. There's very little appreciation. And she just beamed at that. Very simple, very simple. So I wanted to, to pick your brain a little bit, Wendy, about this concept that we, you know, is at the heart of, of lean thinking, which is respect for people. And um, uh, I think a lot of my listeners, uh, the people who watch this podcast know that when we're talking about respect for people, that in English, the words that we use in English that, you know, that say respect for people don't translate exactly what the feeling is behind that, what that, what that is really about. I know when I first heard respect for people and we heard this, this um, idea that, um, that lean is, is something that has two sides to it. And one side is continuous improvement, which is, is always making things better, finding ways to make things better. And the other side of that is respect for people. You know, I thought I understood it immediately. And what I thought I understood was, well, then I'm going to look at somebody, whoever it is, my boss, somebody, a colleague, somebody who's working for me, and I'm going to respect them. But so I kind of sort of understood the respect piece, maybe, but respect for people, having respect for human beings, for the amazing things that human beings are, that was something that I've, uh, you know, has taken me much longer to grasp. And I know that you come from, um, you know, a, a different background that has that has some other insight into, um, you know, different spiritual backgrounds um, and I think we're come, whether or not we are religious in the west, in the west we're very heavily influenced by a, you know a, a different um religious culture whether or not we practice a religion ourselves um and so I really wanted to get your thoughts on that um and and how you see that um that kind of um framework so in so from my from our previous conversations, I've understood that this comes from Toyota. This is a Toyota. Yes. So the people who are at Toyota. And Toyota is a Japanese company. And in Japan, there are the main religion is Shinto, and which is very heavily influenced by Buddhism. It's not the same as Buddhism, but it's very, it's a bit like Confucianism. It's not Buddhism, but it's very heavily uh, influenced by that. And in Buddhism, you have the two wings of a bird, wisdom and compassion. Now, wisdom is a funny word in English. It doesn't translate well. It's one of those words people think it's about, well, I'm a wise person and I'm going to impart my great knowledge. That's what we think of kind of wisdom or we are somebody who you seek to advice from. So there's that. <clears throat> Excuse me. Um, but it's not that. It is that we see that everything is within a context so nothing is static so there's a couple of things i want to just draw out here and one is you saw your bus driver and it went straight past and um that and you before you're like hey that bus driver just drove straight past me and that's one way of looking at it but another way of looking at it is going, that bus driver had a schedule and he's probably paid a pittance and he's given a hard time by uh, um, passengers all the time. And so how can they kind of come together? So it's looking at the context of somebody's behaviour sort of separate from ourselves. Yep. Yeah. So, yep. So, and, and I want to give you an example of... Um, of that which is a less polite version <laughs> okay <laughs> go for it okay go for right. it wendy okay so i've got two really good stories about time and about that come from cleaning the toilet <laughs> 
And one was, I was, I was, uh, it was a Sunday morning and I was cleaning the toilet as one does often on a Sunday morning. And I'm like, sitting there. I had nowhere to go later on that day. And I had it and I was going, I should be finished this by now. Mm. And then I realized that actually it was the first time that um, I had actually cleaned the toilet with this toilet brush at this age, with my body in this age, with this toilet in this point in time. It's like the first time it's all come together. And there is no other time. Should time is a kind of a mythical up there with, I don't know, pink diamond, pink dragons and or whatever. You know, like there is no should time. Where we are is where we are. Here, here, this is all there is in this moment. So you and me here in this moment and your audience, the people listening to this, this is the only time there is right now. And that's what Eckhart Tolle, if you know of Eckhart Tolle, the power uh -huh. of now, this is what he's describing. Everything happens in this moment, but it only comes together in this constellation ever for the first time because everything is always in a dynamic change. So that's what wisdom is in that context. And the other, yeah, and the other story is that I was cleaning the toilet. It was just before a rental inspection. And I'm like, I was at my partner's place. We'd only just started going out. And I'm like, oh, geez, toilet's dirty. That's his poo that is really disgusting. And of course, it's not like I hadn't been using that toilet. So I'm going, <laughs> oh, yeah, it's my poo too, isn't it? <laughs> yeah. So we can kind of want to disown the bad and say they're the bad one when it's actually right. a whole process like we're in this together <laughs> and it's yeah so that's that's what the wisdom side of it means and that's what the continuing development means it means that everything is always in a state of flux and and we are not outside the bad stuff we are part of the bad stuff so that's what that wisdom side means that's what that continuing development one is and the other one which is respect to, uh, for people is really just saying who do you so tell me about the people that when you're who you really trust tell me about the people that you when when you've got a problem who do you trust tell me that what are the qualities about them so so people who will listen to hear the whole problem yeah. Yep. Uh, people who will assist in solving problems as opposed to just coming up with solutions that may or may not work. And uh, people who are willing to point out things that I can't see. I think that to me, that's that's very important because, you know, we all have our own biases and filters and, and you know, um, and who can do it in a way that I can accept. Right. Cause, right, because that's a hard thing too. Yeah, yeah. Right. So the, yeah, so those are, those are the people that that uh, you know that I that I that I trust that you know that I can. So so um, does that give us? So is, does that give a sense of respect for people? Does that give you a sense of what that means then? Now they showed care, kindness. They probably had a lightness about them as well. There's probably something, don't take it so seriously. It's okay. It's going to be all right. There's kind of something a bit light. Maybe they made you laugh and saw some other funny part of it. Or they said, oh, yeah, I've just done exactly the same thing. And they're saying, like, don't take it personally. It's just within a context. Yeah, yeah. Right. And that, so in Buddhism, you, you talk about the four immeasurables and it's love, compassion, joy, and the last one is, uh, I'll just put it this way, not taking things personally. It's called equanimity, but I'll say not taking it personally. And that's what respect for human is, respect for people is. It's just saying, let's be thoughtful and kind to people. So last night in your meeting with those people, let's be respectful and kind and let's appreciate the good things that people are bringing to the table. That's all it means. It's nothing it's, big. Yeah. And I love that. I love that that last one, the equanimity, that something happened, and it might even be something that happened to me that felt bad, but I don't have to let that eat me up, right? That that can be, you know, I can look at it and just maybe maybe set it aside a little bit. 
so what I do in that situation, you know, I'm I'm exactly the same as everybody, you know, like I get yeah. stuff, you know, I there's a reason I do this is because I got stuff, you know. And uh, what I do is I kind of go, all right, so imagine, and I often find it's from something in the childhood, you know, where I've I have had an interaction maybe at school and someone was mean to me and that kind of deep pain still sits there. And I'm in my adulthood, I'm reenacting some part of that pain that's, and I've just kind of sunk down to some vortex of hell because some it reminds me of some bad time in my childhood. And so I, I the way I work with it is I go, okay, so here's this, so here's Bella at whatever age, and given her personal history of these particular circumstances in her childhood and the place where she is, her social circumstance, her disposition, and these people in that circumstance that you were interacting with, how many options did you have to respond in that way? And actually, if you were to see that as a movie and you go, ah, oh, that person, that's exactly how, the, I know exactly what they're going through. That's exactly right. Actually, she wouldn't have done it any other way. So it's not about you being a bad person, which is usually where I, you know, I think that's where we go to. Yeah, it is. It is. Well, they did it because they're a horrible person. They don't like me and all the rest of it. Yeah. Right. And so we take in, well, I'm a bad person and I'm not going to go into the complexities of how to <laughs> understand, you know, cause and all that sort of stuff. But, um, but I will go into just to say that actually it's not personal. It feels personal because it's touched a really wounded part of our of our being from this early painful time in earlier life so it's super 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 painful and we feel maybe guilt shame and humiliation and so it's really touched that and so it makes us feel like we are bad but it's actually um it's actually not personal even though it looks it. So if you're a black person and I take I think you have a you have a, a Jewish name so do you have a Jewish background? Uh, no. Okay. Yeah. Um, but if you come from a community which is very persecuted over a long time, then actually what that means is that a black person, it's not about who they are as an individual, as a Jewish person, it's not who they are as an individual. It's actually something else about other things. So it can't be personal. And in that same way, what when people behave in ways that make us uncomfortable it's not personal they're reacting to their stuff and it's just triggering something inside of you and it's that's what's happening I don't know if I'm being very clear in that so uh, so this is really interesting to me Wendy because one of the things that that I that I I do do and as is part of the um the women in lean and the shout out to the women in lean group um which we we do frequently one of the groups that we're in there is is a group um of black um indigenous uh, women of color and what we call allies and um and uh I can't remember. I've forgotten what the what the last A is, but um, activists. So, um, and the idea is that this is a space where people can come and be themselves and can talk about, you know, the challenges that they are facing, especially uh, our sisters who are black, um, indigenous, um, or, or people of color, of mm -hmm. some of some type. And one of the things that I, and I'm white, so I can't speak to it. But one of the things that I that I believe happens is somebody will will look at a person and say, "Well, this person, their skin color is a certain way, therefore they must be X, Y, and Z, X, Y, and Z, uh, and therefore I'm going to react in that in this particular way, or talk to them in a particular way, or not trust them to be alone in the store." Uh, you know what whatever it is and it may be as you say that that person has really good reasons you know somewhere hidden in their memory um or what they've been taught to do to do that that does not make it any less unjust what what they have done right so so that's um you know i think that there is the 
that there's in a that part of compassion needs to be a movement towards justice as well you know so it's um yeah so if i can just speak to that because i've had a little yeah. journey with that if that's okay if you're willing yeah. to go there okay absolutely yeah yeah so i had quite a crazy difficult painful childhood and i had a lot of emotional issues as a result of that which is why i'm doing this journey so yeah. that's why i'm here um as i said at the beginning i didn't know what it felt like to be loved so that tells you already something mm. about my background um and you know like as a young woman i was an attractive young woman and i could go somewhere and then people go oh she's a bit weird that was a funny reaction but they didn't go she's like that because she's white right exactly they you could be you could be as weird as you wanted and it wouldn't be because you were white right exactly yes. yeah so right so i kind of that's white privilege yeah straight up exactly. that's white privilege so if anybody what, whatever your problems are they're not because you're white yes exactly and yeah. uh and white supremacy is saying that you know if you've got white skin then you're a good person you've already got that card so that the red carpet is out for you so i was born in the 60s during what's called the white australia policy and that was that we wouldn't let people who weren't anglo irish into australia and aboriginals didn't it was their country but they weren't citizens so whew, horrible stuff wow and a lot of violence and all that sort of stuff. So I've had a really big journey with trying to understand that. And so, for instance, nobody asks me to hyphenate my Australianness. I'm like, I'm actually the only person in my family who's born in Australia. Everybody else is born in England. But no, I'm, I'm English Australian, technically. But you're you're English American. Yes. Yes. Right. But you don't have to hyphenate it. No, no, nobody ever asked the English Americans to hyphenate, right? That's the, you know, we have Irish Americans, Polish Americans, Italian Americans, African Americans, the English Americans, we're just English Americans. Right. So yeah, that's that's the privilege. So I I kind of had this experience and 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 I've just recently realized that um I felt very guilty about the privilege that I had about. The decimation about the violence that had happened to Aboriginal people, um, and that I had this, and you know, Italian people had a lot of racism, um, and you know, other non-English people had this sort of, ah, um, uh, yeah, bad stuff, you know, bad comments and things like that. And it took me a long time to realize that I actually felt quite guilty, and. I had a, a younger sister who was born a year after me and she was born terminally ill. And so I have this also survivor guilt of my own mm. from my own journey. And so it's all sort of mixed in there. And I realized that um, there is something about actually having to just own the guilt and feel and the feel guilt, guilt, allow it. And by sitting there owning it, I would, I kind of could do something with it. And then I, there's a couple of uh, communities, Aboriginal communities that I have a little bit to do with here. Uh, one is working in justice. Um, Aboriginal people are the most incarcerated in the world. So if you think about black people, proportionately speaking, black people and, and indigenous people in, in America, well, in Australia, we're a league above on that. So it's a huge problem. My goodness. Wow. Yeah, and then um, and there was another one who does a lot of stuff to do with healthcare and, and Aboriginal health. And I just sort of went there and I, and I sort of, so I had this experience where um, I did a workshop at a craft thing and um, it was a woman from the Torres Strait, which is right at the top pointy bit of Queensland, right? Like, you know, anyway, so just before you get to sort of Indonesia, I suppose, or Papua New Guinea. Um, and and she did, she said, um, can you make, I'm sorry about the noise. Can you hear that noise out the back of silence? I don't know about that. No. Okay. So at the, at the top of the point a bit, and she said, do create a craft from your ancestors. So I was like, oh, my ancestors, it's like shoot to steal, 
kill to steal. So I did these little things and I thought that's actually who my ancestors are. They kind of kill everything to steal all the natural resources to steal people. And once I had fully owned that that's actually what I felt. Now I, I have a broader picture of that now, but I kind of had to hold that. Then I, I went to the people in these communities and I said, I, on behalf of my ancestors, I say sorry, because I know that they committed crimes. And I also say sorry for the crimes that I have committed, the verbal things and thoughts that I've had. So um, it's, it's, not, it's not pleasant. It's not pleasant to go, I feel really guilty about this. That's right, yeah. But I am freed and I am liberated and I have more respect for people because and, of that. And, yeah. And, and that comes from you top, stopping and taking the time and, as you said, sitting with it um, and, and sitting sitting with that that guilt and then, and allowing allowing it to 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 be right to and to. Uh, and and then and then to see a, a way that would there was a way more towards justice. Yeah, and so you, you Wendy, could. cannot cannot undo the history, right? That's it's not, and it's not your job to undo the history. You know, yeah. I am the recipient of stolen goods, and I cannot do anything about giving that back, except yeah. to recognize that I'm I'm part of a system of thievery. Well, I think I told you when we met before that um, where I live, just outside Philadelphia, is the um, was the home of the Lenny Lenape people. Um, there are very few Lenny Lenape left. Um, some people say there are none, but there are people who say they are Lenny Lenape, and they, you know, they 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 are definitely still here. They're the people who actually um, uh, made the treaty with William Penn that um, started the state of Pennsylvania, which is which is where I live. And um, so from, I, I came to the U.S. myself as an immigrant at the age of nine. And so I thought that I was innocent of, of all of this, right? This all happened a long time before me, and I, I was not part of, of the, the colonization of the United States in, you know, in any respect until we actually came. And I was brought, you know, I didn't come of, of my own, um, of my own choice. Obviously I came, I came with my family and I, you know, so I think I it's kind of went through the, the same thing. First of all, understand that this happened. And secondly, you know, where I live, I own a home, I own land that in the past was not land that anybody owned. It was land that people use when they, they, during the course of the year, as they did, you know, they farmed, they fished, um, they hunted, depending on what the land was providing at certain times of the year. And so the land was not owned, it was used, and then it was, you know, left, they would set up a village elsewhere and 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 go on with the, the rest of their year. But I own a house, right? I have paperwork that says I own a house. And just thinking about that mm -hmm. is... Um, you know that does that brings that um, it's heavy. It is heavy, um, and at the same time, it is, um, and it's not something that I can resolve or solve. But I, I really, really appreciate what you said about you know that just the acknowledgement of it, and not in a cursory lip service way. I'm doing a land acknowledgement, but really the acknowledgement of it. And then what does it bring us to today? I could not be here in this place talking to Wendy, having this amazing conversation, if sadly and joyfully some of those other things had not happened. So, Yeah, you know, and, and like you, my I don't know about you, but my parents, so my father was, um, in, was born and raised in India before colonisation for a couple of generations, you know, and so they're all colonial. And on my mother's side, it goes back and it's sort of upper middle class. And the truth of this, and I don't know your background, but the truth of this is that if you want to look, you know, the English in my family are always upheld this sort of morally superior thing. And I lived in England mm. for a while and there's a huge moral superiority, you know, where we are the ones with the good laws and we are the ones with the sort of moral rectitude. And when you look at history, you just go, wow, the English, it's complete bastardry, actually. Like 
the, the British Empire is founded on slavery for sugar. So every time you have a teaspoon of sugar in your tea or coffee, that is the result of slavery and bastardry and theft of and plunder and rape. And like, it's amazing to think something we take so for granted, even our technical equipment in Africa, there's a particular mineral, I can't remember the name of it, but all our tech equipment comes from this yes. huge wars in Rwanda or somewhere. Um, I can't, maybe it's Zaire actually, Congo. And um, six million people have died because you and me, we want a new phone every year. Yeah. And yeah. Like we are still in this system. It's and it's it's we want to think we're good, and yet we're in this larger circle where we cannot be entirely good. It's a really complicated place to be and and so what do we do with that it's not comfortable actually it's not comfortable but it does make me I don't know about you it sounds like it does for you more compassionate to understand how can um, Indigenous people not get their shit together how do they end up with a drug addiction they're told horrible things about themselves their land has been stolen they're displaced and African-Americans, black people, whatever that means, um, and, you know, given the colour code, you know, like what does black yeah. mean, what does white mean, what does any yeah. of that mean? Um, and, you know, if every time you walk into a store, somebody is automatically suspicious of you, you know, we are part of that system. We just, we have the privilege of turning a blind eye, but it's Which not comfortable. But but I think you know so to kind of steer this back a little bit to 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 where we started right Wendy I mean yeah I think you and I could talk all all day or all night um, but it's it's that that what is I think you're saying or what I'm hearing is that that actually on um, recognizing that that requires us or gives us the opportunity to see why compassion is so important and why it needs to be part of everything that we're doing because we're not going to get any better with more stealing plundering you know all the rest of it maybe if it's just the decision to not get a new phone this year you know if it's if it's the decision to uh, you know to wait to purchase something that you know is going to result in um it, or is is produced by child labor um it just it's each of those small decisions um, mean it's not everything, but it gives us an opportunity to do something and to change to change the way the world is working a little bit. So. And just to to sort of circle back right to the very beginning, the reason why we feel we have to steal is because we don't feel like we have enough ourselves. And by simply noticing the good that is here, the acts of kindness, mm. the thoughtfulness that we receive, we don't have that same sense of deprivation. And it means that we don't feel so lacking and such a failure that makes us think the only way to, to be part of the crowd is to have the new phone. So there's something we can be stronger in our body and stronger in our bones by, by simply receiving what is here that is good. And one of the one of the things once I started looking in, you know, I was going, wow, I'm really earnest. <laughs> you know, I'm very <laughs> earnest character. I'm like, oh, geez, I'm really wet blanket here. So I was like, well, what do I need? And I need more joy. And one of the questions that was asked was, what stops you feeling joy right now? And I went, I feel guilty for all this terrible stuff that's going on in the world. I feel really guilty. And I thought, well, you know, that's being miserable is no good luck to anybody. You're like, that's not going to, that's not going to make anything better. And so that's why I started to think you've got to feel light about life and you've got to receive what is good here. And it helps manage the enormity of the other stuff. It's not to say that that stuff doesn't exist. It's not to say that you've got to take on the burdens of the world. And, but it's to sort of move compassionately throughout life and joyfully and lightly with people and that's it's in those small interactions that it really really counts so that just, just that and and as we say in lean i know it's it's, it's small steps it's it's it just 
making those small steps. Yeah. Wendy, if people would like to continue the conversation with you or work with you, how's the best, what's the best way to find you? So the best way is um, through my website, kindlycutthecrap.com. It's a, it's a company name that business advisors going, that's a really bad name. But actually, people really like it and it's unforgettable. Um, so, but it's because I believe that it's really important to be kind, but it's really important to know what we're on. So get rid of all the crap. Let's be clear about what's here. Include everything but you don't have to keep everything. So something there. So that's that. So kindlycutthecrap.com. That's it. Yes. And, yeah. um, and I haven't quite got it organized yet, but if you want to learn about five meditation practices for on the go, you don't have to sit down for 20 minutes. There's lots more practices like that one I described today about um, looking for more positive things. You can just email me, um, but you can do that through the, the website. Um, or Wendy at kindlycutthecrap.com. So that's it. Cool, that's great. Wendy Nash, what is your one piece of advice for a young person starting out? Ah, look for, oh gosh, what is the one thing for a young person starting out? You know, people are going to tell you what you should and shouldn't do. Um, and listen to your own voice, try everything, and then learn to say no. You don't have to, just because someone says you should try it, that doesn't mean say you should do it, or you could try it and then not keep it. Yeah, find and find, find what is, feels right and, and look for the good stuff. There you are. Look for the good stuff. I love that. Wendy Nash, thank you so much for traveling with me to the edges of Lean. It's been a lot of fun, Bella. Thank you very much. This is Bella Engelbach, and I'd like to thank Wendy Nash for being my guest on the edges of Lean. What did you learn from this conversation? What ideas did it spark for you? We would love to hear from you. Find Wendy at kindlycaughtthecrap.com backslash contact or on LinkedIn. Find me on LinkedIn or at leanforhumans.com or comment wherever you watch or listen. Subscribe and tell a friend about the edges of lean. Please join me in exploring more of the edges of lean. There's a lot to learn and check out my friends in the lean communicators community at leancommunicators.com. You'll find more podcasts and videos with lots of great new content every week. The Edges of Lean is written and produced by Bella Engelbach with support from Podcast Inc. This is a Lean for Humans production.